The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back into the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, received a text uh, during the top of the hour. We were wrong. What? Believe it or not. All right, not a shock. The day that ends in Y. Uh, you do not have to purchase a an, an admission pass to the Texas State Fair. Oh, okay. Your ticket to the football game gets you into the fair. Interesting. Which, yeah, I thought the same thing. I, you know, when we put that out there, felt pretty confident that that would be the case, but that's not the case. So, um, not that that matters a whole lot in the state <laughs> of Iowa, but we like to be factually correct when at all possible. So, anyways, you know, let's do this, Trent. We're going to talk some uh, Big 12, 1140 with Matt Post. It's going to go through the conference as a whole. Mm-hmm. Let's do similar with the Big 10, but you know what? For the sake of this conversation, you want to focus mostly on the West because that does move the needle here more than the East, obviously. Just a little bit more important and, and pertinent to what we talk about on a daily basis, obviously, with the Hawkeyes. How many teams can you narrow the race for the Big Ten West down? To? Three. You want to throw out Nebraska, of course. Yes. I do, too. Uh, Nebraska's proven that they don't belong. Purdue, gone. Just too many injuries. And I'm not sure they would have to begin with. Uh, Hunter Johnson... Is an enigma. Um, he was going to carry this Northwestern team. Every one of those five stars was going to be on display each and every. It's not his fault that he was, you know, that's how he was rated coming out of high school. But I don't know if it's just a, a square hole, round peg. Uh, it, it's not a fit at Northwestern. I don't know if that's the offense or I, I don't know, but he's not working at Northwestern. Purdue well, he didn't even wide. play last week. No, I know. Was, yeah. The, I mean, the other kid, the running quarterback, played. Aiden Smith, right? Yes. And looked okay yeah, in the game. Yeah. It was it against Nebraska's defense, too. Yeah. And they still only put 10 points up. True. True. They're a cross-off. Yeah, I'm with you. They're, they're a cross-off. Which is difficult to do because how many times have we seen Fitz's teams mm-hmm. turn it around as the season progresses? We thought that the beginning of the schedule was murderer's roll. Find mm-hmm. me a tougher first six games of the season on anybody's schedule. The answer was you can't. Right. And they've lived up to that. They're one and they're one and four, but it does lighten up, I guess, once they get through Iowa. They should win some games. I'm not sure if there's five more wins on there. Anyways, regardless. Uh Minnesota's five and oh. What do you make of the Gophers? They won all those close football games. They did. And you made the point. And it was it was it was right on. Uh, you know, last previous years, those end up in the loss column. They didn't. They don't they, win every one of them. That's for sure. They for sure they don't. But they did this year. Now they they're did. five and zero, oh, and they they're coming off a an impressive win again against a a depleted uh, Purdue team. Um, no, Illinois. Most Illinois recently. last yeah, week. Purdue then Illinois. But you know, Illinois didn't score offensively in that game. Their two touchdowns came off of defensive scores there. I didn't realize that. It was a pick six to begin the game, and okay. they got a stop right afterwards. Felt like, all right, here comes Illinois. Mm. I was on the Illini, so of course. <laughs> and then they got happen. blown up yeah. by, what, 20-something anyways. But their other touchdown was uh, in the second half, and it was a fumble recovery for mm. a touchdown. So offense didn't do anything against the Gophers. This isn't a special Minnesota team. Let's not go that far. No, but they're, they're going to be 8-0. 
Yes, because they have Nebraska be, this week, and then Rutgers, and then Maryland. So then that's your three. But then Penn State, Penn State at Iowa, at Northwestern, home to Wisconsin. So is nine the ceiling? Would you do you think Gopher fans? I think ten is still a ceiling. Do you? I think they can get there. So the the over under would be nine and a half if we were yeah. to reset it right now. That's where I would put it. This isn't a great football team. No, I'd like the running backs. I love their uh, their the receivers. The the offensive line needed work. I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. To be fair, I didn't see anything against Rutgers. I didn't watch the Illinois game. Morgan doesn't wow you, but he they can doesn't run make it. a ton of mistakes though, right? I mean, is he's only he's only turned it over a couple of times. It's a very similar conversation we have with a lot of teams. It's the same conversation you have with Wisconsin. Make Jack Cohn beat you. Same thing here. Tanner make, Morgan beats if Tanner Morgan beats you, you take away the ball run. Cap, yeah, take and you move away. away. The run. Because now Shannon Brooks is back, uh-huh. and they got Rodney Smith. Yeah, and Ibrahim's a nice player. And they still got the green kid. And yeah. Could, they could do so many t- different things in the running game, but Tanner Morgan mm-hmm. still has limitations yeah. of what he can do, even as good as those wide receivers are on the uh, outside. Uh, Johnson and Bateman are elite, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. In, in, for Big Ten receivers, I think that they're they're both of them fantastic. I want to see how they hold up physically, though, defensively. Remember last year, they were so putrid. Well, Iowa went the up secondary there. trend, every one of them yes. got hurt. And then they fired their defensive coordinator, uh-huh. and they were, around. they were a completely mm-hmm. different team. If it's more of an illusion of the schedule they played to this point, or if that defense really has taken that big of a step forward. Still to be seen. And I don't think we're going to see this week, because Martinez is banged up for Nebraska. Yep. Spielman's banged up yep. for Nebraska. Yeah, Martinez didn't finish the football game. Vedral came in. I think the Gophers not only win this game, I think they probably roll, don't you know, they? I th- I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I feel confident that they're going to beat Nebraska. It's too bad in, in some ways. There's just so many good night games. I would mm-hmm. like to dip into the – not more yes. than dip in. I would like to spend some time on that football And game. this is – I'll find one of those condensed versions and watch it, the 20-minute yeah. one. And mm-hmm. But you've missed so much doing it. I mean, you see every play, but the nuance of the game, you just miss – how emotions playing a factor and those types of things it it loses it when you kind of watch in the fast forward motion that you get with those condensed versions because I'm with you I, I would love to see this game Martinez Nebraska what's going on over there too if they lose to the Minnesota again oh Trent they're, they're going to lose I think I mean this, this is a, this is a football you hate to use the cliche they have their proverbial backs against the wall they're they four and need... two it's not it's not a disaster. But no, they're but a 7-5 they, they the, team. I was going to say, can they get to Black Friday and need that to go bowling? I think they'll be better than that because you their do? schedule eases up. Okay, give it to me. Indiana at home. All right, that's a win. You at think. Purdue. Eh, there's another one. And Wisconsin after that. Yeah. But then at Maryland. That's tough. And then Iowa at the end. So they're 4-2? They're 4-2. Four and, two. They're four and two. So that Indiana's 5. Yep. At Purdue, they're not. At Purdue is six. Purdue might be as bad as Rutgers right now. The way as banged up as they are, mm-hmm. they're awful. Because Sindelar is what four to six still. I think left. is that what it is. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So they're going to be. They'll be fine going. They're into that. six and six, seven and five football team. Yeah, you're right. Just they're like I to... said before the year, nine and three. If it, they don't win double digit games, no. Look, I know you guys. Uh, you would like uh, you and John and everybody likes to pile on my buddy Stephen M. Sipple. <laughs> But Sipple wasn't buying into it either. He, he wasn't that far. No, you know no. I mean, he absolutely wasn't. He thought it was displaced, is what he said. I mean, mm-hmm. he sat across the table from us. We did a good bit in Chicago with him. He didn't understand the love nationally that the team is getting. We didn't either. They were thought good they enough. They were going to be better. Seven wins. That's a realistic. It is a process building a program. It just doesn't happen because your name's Scott Frost. Right. It takes time to do it, regardless of what level that you've recruited instilling all these different things. And I think 
these are some of the questions that I, I asked with Scott Frost when he was hired. Yes, I thought he was going to do a better job mm-hmm. than Bill Callahan. Right. I thought he certainly was a better fit than Bo Pelini. Did Washington head coach Bill Callahan? <laughs> right. <laughs> Talk about a disaster. <laughs> that aside, we're talking to us Redskins yeah. for one day today. But when these things happen, all right, the fan base expects a 10-2 and year and, and to win the division. That's step one, and then we'll win the conference next year. That doesn't happen. How negativity can start to seep in. And that starts to happen. That's where... You really run into problems as a program. You look across the country where these things happen, and they happen very quickly. You don't get it turned around as quickly as the fan base wants. It can get ugly in a Boy, hurry. if the Hoosiers show up in Lincoln two weeks oh, from a week from this boy. Saturday and pick them off, yikes. If, if Martinez is still banged up, that's a real possibility. Uh, we'll talk to Zuba Mahente next. We'll go around there. He's, he sent me a fascinating text. Well, I love TV it's behind the scenes. Yes. Right? Just how, I mean, ESPN was... Third in the pecking order and ended up on, at night and ended up with LSU Florida. It's <laughs> a pretty good choice, pretty, huh? I mean, ABC quickly snapped up Iowa, Penn State. CBS had their choice of the two games they took out. I mean, I guess you're always going to take Alabama and they mm-hmm. placed them in the middle of the afternoon. But this game, according to Zubin, fell in their laps. It did. Well, and the SEC doesn't get night games on ABC, so they didn't have that selection. True. That Iowa, but Penn they State do get the CBS couple of prime timers every year, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing they're saving LSU, Alabama. Yes, they are. Why wouldn't they be? We'll take a timeout. Zuba Mahente is next. Miller and Condon till noon. But right now, it's time to put a thousand dollars in somebody's bull bankroll or wherever you could use that thousand dollars. Simply text the keyword yoga, yoga. To 200, 200 right now is your chance to win $1,000. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. And we'll be back with our buddy Zubin Mehente. Matt Poston's on the Big 12, 1140. Miller and Condon till noon. It's 14-6 now. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Station, 1460 KXO, with you until noon. Your opportunity to win tickets, homecoming, Kinnick Stadium, a week from Saturday. The Purdue game, how do you win them? Go to KXNO.com, click the contest link, let Trent and I know how many points will be scored. Not to, We don't care who's going to win the Penn State-Iowa game, but how many points, total points, closest without going over Penn State-Iowa this Saturday. If you're the closest, you will win two tickets to see uh, Purdue homecoming uh, at Kinnick Stadium. Right? You might not care, but I care who wins the game. Well, you know what I mean. I for the you... for the sake of the contest. Oh, okay. No, okay, I want okay. Iowa to win every single game. I want them to go to a nice bowl game. That would be Can good. Can they get back to the Rose Bowl? Been there, done that. Yeah, I'd like to see it again. College football playoff. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, look Run at the they table. were close. <laughs> this year, you... St- no, you don't believe... You that don't. they can? No. No, good. But if they did, <laughs> they'd be in the college football playoff. If they did. Yes, there's no doubt. With the schedule if they, they played. they Ohio State in that schedule? Yes. Yeah, if they do, right. That includes beating Penn State, Wisconsin on the road, yeah. Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. They're playing Alabama or Clemson in the first round. Destination to be determined. Yeah. Zubin Mahente, my nuts. Yes. I, you don't need Zubin to answer that question. <laughs> I can answer that question for you. Zubin, good to talk to you, buddy. How are you? 
Good guys, what's going on? No, nothing. Uh, Trent's uh, Trent's having a day, day, daydreaming over there. Well, yeah, the I, I, I kind of forgot about what happened between the hours of eleven a.m. and two thirty p.m. last Saturday, last Saturday <laughs> Central Time over in Ann Arbor. Yeah, indeed. Hey, Zubin, you sent me a really cool. I love television stuff behind the scenes, uh, and that uh, that text you sent me last night was right in my wheelhouse. How ESPN kind of not fell into it, but they certainly like they're going to get a ton of great football games. But LSU, Florida, prime time. Time. That's not bad, Zubin. And the way that it came about, I thought was um, well. You uh, you piqued my interest, no doubt. Yeah, it's an interesting situation where CBS generally gets the first call of games for their SEC package, and the call has to be made. I wouldn't say a couple weeks in advance, but it really is made. I would say you know a little more than a week out from the particular game. Then they put a big press release out. And they try to hype it. And CBS had chosen, I mean, I don't think you can ever go wrong <laughs> choosing Alabama, and especially because they tend to what we call in our business over-deliver. So whatever number Alabama generally is expected to get or the average rating for a game, Alabama, Kentucky basketball, Duke basketball, these types of brands, they tend to over-deliver the number. And it tends to be that way even in a blowout. So, you know, CBS chose Alabama. They're at Texas A&M. And you never quite know. I mean, it's a good Texas A&M team that's obviously faced some really stiff competition. So I wouldn't look at A&M's record and say that they're a poor team or anything. But it's Alabama going on the road, and you never quite know. It's a tough place to play at the home of the 12th man. And they chose that game. And obviously they made that decision before Florida hung on against Auburn. And I totally see where CBS is coming from, had, you know, you know Auburn won that game. Then you've got Florida and LSU playing this Saturday but Florida is a one-loss team, and LSU is undefeated. But instead, Florida wins that game, and now ESPN, who has the uh, second choice uh, of the SEC game of the week, uh, behind CBS's choice, basically said, okay, well, if they're going to take Alabama and Texas A&M with Florida winning, it's Florida, LSU, two SEC teams, best conference, top 10, both perfect, and ESPN ended up taking that game. So I think it's funny. On the surface, you look at it and say, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe Alabama goes down and it's a great choice. But it's interesting to think that two teams from the best conference in a night game hmm. at LSU or, would, you know, in a later day game at LSU would be in a situation uh, where it would be not picked. But it was. And I thought that was sort of fascinating. But you never know. Maybe things will just even themselves out that day. <laughs> Zubin, uh, as you look at the college football front, we've talked about throughout the summertime, Alabama-Clemson, that great divide. Is this bad for college football? And now here we are where it feels like there's a lot more teams involved here. There's a lot more teams that certainly look like they can make a run and win the national champions this year. LSU among them. Ohio State and the way the Buckeyes have played. There's others that you can certainly throw in there at this point. Is this leading down the road where it feels inevitable Eight teams is coming sooner rather than later. Do you believe this is something that's going to happen down the road, that we're going to get through this initial television contract that's there through, what, 2025? 24, I think. Is it 25? Maybe it's, yeah, the, the end of the 24 season, whatever it is. Expansion's coming. Do you think it happens before that? No. I don't. I'm in a very small group of people, I guess, Ken also seems mm-hmm. to concur. Everybody seems to think it's going to aid and it's going to go to aid sooner rather than later, but there has really been no drumbeat mm-hmm. from anybody that would make that decision, whether it's Bill Hancock, who is kind of the spokesman for the college football playoffs, or those that he speaks 
for, which, you know, the university presidents, ADs, the people that would make those decisions, the conference commissioners, and they've shown zero appetite to do it. I don't know why everybody seems to believe it's coming. Now, everybody seems to believe eight is better than four, and I think as fans, I think we would tend to agree, sure, eight is better than four uh, to make sure quality teams get in. But to me, I think sometimes what's helped this year is the storylines. And I think start daydreaming about Tua versus Hurt in the college football playoff. That would be great. Uh, think about Justin Fields versus Georgia. Mm. That would be something. Mm-hmm. It's not as interesting um, to most fans, I don't think, as these two. But Joe Burrow versus Ohio State was also <laughs> pretty intriguing, considering I think he spent three years with the program. And that would be in a situation where you can clearly imagine some of those scenarios happening if there's a four-team playoff. So one thing, to your point, Trent, we had Feinbaum Paul on SportsCenter yesterday, and he didn't have Oklahoma in his top four. Hmm. Uh, now that's kind of interesting. I mean, the way that they have played, is it a possibility? I think his top four was something along the lines of Ohio State at one, which sent SEC Nation into like a tizzy that he would actually have Ohio State at <laughs> one, uh, Alabama to Georgia at three, and LSU at four. Now, obviously, LSU could be out by the weekend if Florida can come up big, but I also think there's something to be said that right now a program like Oklahoma, with the way Hurts is playing, and obviously they've got a stiff test this weekend, in the minds of at least Paul, is on the outside looking in, which is far better than what we were dealing with a year ago, which is Alabama, Clemson, and two pieces of meat that would be devoured by Alabama and Clemson. Subban, uh, speaking of Clemson, they they have to run the table. A one-loss Clemson team, if it breaks the way we think it is, I mean, we think Ohio State's legit. I'm convinced Oklahoma's legit. I think there's three really good teams in the SEC. The Pac-12 is out. Um, but Clemson, if they fall, and let's say then they come back and they still get in the championship game and they roll, they crush Virginia or whoever, is, is the defending national champion spot as precarious maybe as some of the others at the top of that list? I believe so, because just to use Paul's unofficial poll, again, I'm not saying he speaks to the committee, you know, there's a school he doesn't have in there. He didn't have Clemson in there. And to me, I think what's going on with them is, to your point, they probably don't have the opportunity uh, moving down the line because I don't really think they're going to get challenged the rest of the way. Zubin, they're a a double-digit favorite in the rest of their games. Think about that. Yeah, yeah, and and I so I don't think they're going to get challenged, but then again, we didn't really see what was going to happen in Chapel Hill happening, and maybe they just get tripped up. You know, Trevor Lawrence got hurt last year. They had to bring in Chase Bryce, and if that happens on the road against anybody that's half decent, you never know. But to your point, Ken, if they just continue to roll, I'm not really sure that they're going to have the opportunity to make up for a stub toe. The one thing I would say that I think is interesting about them is, you know, there's this question of what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. Why is he throwing more picks? You know, and people are saying he's just not the same type of player or, you know, they lost so much talent to the NFL. I look at it a little bit differently. He clearly doesn't have the numbers that he had a year ago. But I think after last year's championship game, this is just my opinion, I think after last year's championship game, there became a standard of excellence that we put on Tua and the standard of excellence for Trevor Lawrence is now perfection. <laughs> and, and that is just an impossible bar to meet, right? Uh, Trevor Lawrence should be in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence should sit out and preserve his body. Like all of these arguments that have been made 
over the last couple of years, especially after the way they handed Nick Saban his worst loss at Alabama in the title game. I just think we took a bar that has been very, very high on Trevor Lawrence. And said, wow, he could do this as a true freshman who didn't even start the opener and then whip Alabama by 28 points in the title game. This guy has got to be taken to a different level. And I think we put a standard of perfection on him. We're not putting a standard of perfection on Joe Burrow because we're not used to seeing LSU play this well offensively. And we're not putting a standard of perfection on Tua because we've seen him stub his toe a couple times. And we're not putting a standard of perfection on Jalen Hurts because the conventional wisdom is Tua is better than Hurts. And if we're not going to hold Tua to that standard, why would we hold Jalen Hurts to that standard? So those guys are playing outstanding football. But I think for whatever reason, fairly or not, we expect expect more out of Trevor Lawrence than those guys, and that's adversely affected Clemson a little bit. Zub, I want to get, speaking college athletics, your perspective and the week that it's been since we last talked with California's Fair Pay to Play Act that has been out there. Gavin Newsom signed into it, and now we've seen a host of other states work to get similar laws on the book. It feels like certainly a breaking point at some point of the NCAA. You know, I had somebody reach out to me on Twitter and ask me, you know, the other side of the equation, the people, I know Doug Gottlieb has been one of the people very out front and saying that this is a bad thing and the college athletes. What, what is it? What's his, what's his that, that they get thing? enough already, that oh, they please. already get enough. And as a college athlete, on and on and on. Now, people come back and say, well, maybe you wouldn't have needed to steal people's credit cards if you were getting paid <laughs> at the time, Doug. Easy. It was a pretty easy one there. But that that perspective, the other side of the equation, you at ESPN, news gathering information that you guys do, coupled with your role as a provider of NCAA and just the number of events that you put on, it's got to be an odd spot at the very least. It is odd. One thing I'd also say about Gottlieb in regard to his point, you're right, they do get enough. He was a former college athlete. The other thing he's saying, and I'm not sure I agree with this point, but I'll just throw it out because this is one of the arguments that he's made that a lot of other people are not making. Um, But just to put it out for your audience, he also says that the athlete doesn't hold value without the school. So in other words, if player X wants to go to Duke or Kentucky, oh my goodness, suddenly they can be worth a ton of money in Durham or Lexington or Chapel Hill or Lawrence, you name the place. But if that person was going to bypass college and, say, go to the G League, let's say they weren't good enough to go to the NBA, but they were good enough to go to the G League out of college, uh, out of high school, excuse me, then what value would that student hold? So Gottlieb's point is you could say it's all about paying the guys and paying for their skill, but Doug is saying if that skill wasn't attached to going to a university like Duke or Kentucky, that would allow them to benefit based upon the pageantry of that school – let that guy go to the Los Angeles Defenders or the Reno Bighorns in the, in the NBA G League and see from that point what kind of money they could make. So what he's saying is you can't really put it all in the kid. The school has a lot to do with the value of the kid, which is another reason he's against it. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that is something that he's been discussing. From our standpoint, I think we're waiting to just see the other shoe drop. I think Krzyzewski put out a statement he today did. essentially yep. saying, Right, like I don't really know what the complexities of this rule are. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've gone through the entire bill. But I do think that when Krzyzewski talks, people listen. But I do think at the end of the day, I think a lot of people believe, whether you're for this act or whether you're for Gottlieb's side, whether you're for paying players or not, or you know, name, image, likeness, I don't recall paying players, but name, image, likeness, that people will say that even though 
this is passing and let's just call it California for the moment, even though Trent, I know you did say other states are involved. Um, I don't think anybody thinks maybe things would change a little bit, but I think the conventional wisdom is let's say California passes it. The best high school players are still going to Duke. <laughs> I'm not saying UCLA won't get them and I'm not saying USC can't snag a couple. Um, but I think the conventional wisdom is no matter how this passes, no matter how few states or how many states pass it, let's talk about few for the moment just because we've got till 2023, but not everybody has done it. Um, I think the best players are still going to do Kentucky and those schools. So no matter what happens, I don't think the true elite schools are going to be affected. Now, if Iowa passes it, and you could go to like divers or something like that and get a deal for a player. You know, maybe somebody like that thinks about it and says that's feasible. But I think no matter how the landscape changes, Trent, the teams at the top, whether they're in a state that has this law or not, are still always going to be able to get the best players. We're talking in 2023, and we're looking at the best high school players that are now like in seventh grade or whatever. I would manage to say nine of the top ten are going to schools that they would always be going to if they were ranked that high. Hmm. Zubin Mahanti is our guest. Final couple of minutes, Zubin. I want to switch to the NFL and go here and now with you. Monday Night Football last night. Um, Eugene, here's your takeaway on Baker Mayfield. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, are you starting to maybe wonder a little bit about the number one overall pick that was going to lead this team to the promised land? It seems like... I don't know. Maybe it's unfair to say this, but it's not a giant step backwards. But there, I'm not sure. I certainly hasn't seen one forward off of last year. Where are you on Baker? Yeah, you know, I'm more concerned about this team, with, to me, as I watched it last night, with Freddie Kitchens. I think if you look at Baker, you know, they got Seattle coming up. That could be easily be 2-4, and four, and they got a pass after that. I think they could be 2-5. and five. The schedule does ease up considerably in the second half of the season. Now, if you're 2-5 and five and and you have no hot shot of making the playoffs. I'm not sure what the back end of the schedule does. But if you look at their schedule on the back end, they got Pittsburgh, they've got Cincinnati, of course, uh, they've got Arizona. Uh, they certainly have shown they could beat Baltimore already. You know, so those are wins that they can certainly accrue on the back half. It's just a matter of are you shot before you get to the back half of the schedule. I think the biggest concern, I, I think, is Kitchens. Um, yeah, to me, he doesn't he doesn't emote anything that results in me thinking this guy's a head coach. He was a lot more sedate at the podium yesterday. He's been very quickly at the podium uh, after particular losses. But yesterday, he kind of put it on himself. Um, he talked a little bit about uh, some of the things that he's going through. He essentially was barely a coordinator last year. Um, he's, yes, he's a former Alabama quarterback. That was a lifetime ago. But I'm not too worried about Baker. I, I think it's tough to go... Uh, from 7-8-1, and one, even though that's obviously a seven-game improvement, um, to a linear path just up, 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 and up. You're accounting for the fact that other people aren't getting better, right? Like when they played Lamar Jackson and the Browns, surely they were able to win that game, but I don't think people thought that Lamar would improve to a certain point. So there's some external factors you have to think about within the division, um, but I think I would be much more concerned about uh, Freddie Kitchens than I would be uh, Baker Mayfield. Obviously, John Dorsey, the GM, has not come out and said anything. Obviously, Dorsey and Kitchens are tied to the hip. Uh, it was actually a very attractive job, as you know, in the offseason, and they chose to stay in-house. But, you know, if OBJ is another game like he did yesterday and the week before, he had two catches for 20 yards. It's obviously a combustible locker room with some huge personalities. And I don't know if Freddie Kitchens is the kind of guy that's going to be able to wrangle guys in, say, like a Bill Belichick would 
or a Mike Tomlin would. Um, you know, obviously Tomlin struggled in doing that with the Steelers, but the point there is I think they have a lot of respect for a guy like Tomlin, a guy like Belichick, uh, and place and, and people like that. So I just tend to think that I don't think the I think if things start going sideways quickly, Freddie Kitchens is going to find out. Uh, that those guys don't have his back it's the way they're talking right now. He's going to get the same treatment that his defensive coordinator, ironically, Steve Wilkes, got in Arizona. He's going to be out after one year. Uh, that's how I see it. I just Because um, Wilkes was they, they'll give him one year in Arizona, and that's enough. I, I, I think the same thing's going to happen here with Kitchen. Zubin, we are out of time. Great stuff, as always. We'll talk to you a week from today. Appreciate it, Zubin. You got it, guys. Thanks. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zuba Mahente, ESPN. Big 12 conversation. Going to get in depth in that uh, conference. With Texas and Oklahoma set to play this week. Miller and Condon uh, here until noon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. Tap for Humanity Restore. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, let's talk some Big 12, shall we? Matt Postens, part of Heartland College Sports. If you're a fan of a team in the Big 12 and you're not visiting Heartland College Sports, it's an independent blog and it has grown significantly. Uh, It's a must-stop if you're a fan of football or basketball uh, in the Big 12 Conference. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Matt Postens. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good, guys. It's uh, Texas OU week, and down here in Texas, that's that's just all kinds of fun. No, I, I can't <laughs> wait for the football game. You know, it's it's been my uh, probably not the best take. Trent wasn't buying. I tried to convince him, as I've tried to convince many people over the that game needs to be moved to Jerry World. Uh, I guess it's not going to happen. What would what would the game miss if indeed it left the Cotton Bowl, Matt? Other than tradition, what would uh, what would be the downside uh, of of moving it to the best stadium in the state of Texas? Well, I, I think the downside, at least if you're you're somebody who's been from the state of Texas like I have since I was seven, is that atmosphere around the game with the state fair being there and all of the the other things that go along with it. It's just really. It's amazing. I mean, just to, to for that game to be a part of that whole Texas State Fair apparatus, and you've got you know you've got a hundred thousand people sitting there in the stadium, and then you've got another you know fifty sixty thousand people milling about you know doing their thing at the fair. I mean, it's one of, it swells the city of Dallas from about a million people to about a million uh, million three hundred thousand mm. in one day. It's really incredible. Sure, I, I I don't have any doubt they would sell out the game at Jerry World. Uh, uh, but uh, the the Cotton Bowl has made that commitment to keeping that game there for a long time. I, I wish that the Cowboys and the city of Dallas had worked it out to where they could have retrofitted the Cotton Bowl and made that the Cowboys' home. That was Jerry's original plan 15 years ago when he started talking about a new stadium. But that didn't come to pass. So now we have just the one great game at the Cotton Bowl every year. And, and personally, from a traditional standpoint, I'd love to see it uh, stay there in perpetuity. Kansas has hit some lows over the years, certainly in football. Maybe a sound of bouncing back. They came out, scored early against Oklahoma. But my biggest takeaway was the girl during the uh, the weather delay crocheting in the stands. No, really? There's a, a shot of them as they're waiting for the game to start, and she's sitting there crocheting, just waiting for that thing to get going. There. Did is you it? bet that game, or why were you watching that I just game? saw the cutaway of oh, that. Gotcha. I, I mean, 
You speak about the embodiment of Kansas football over the last decade. That's what it is. Go to the game and get your crocheting in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be one of those videos that's going to be around for a long, long time. There, there are certain videos of fans that just live in, live in the lexicon for a long time, and that is going to that is absolutely going to be there. Our, our dear Duke put it up on his Twitter feed uh, just shortly after they showed it. That, that tweet just blew up. I mean, it's just. It's one of the most amusing things I've seen at a football game, and I've seen I've seen folks read books at football yep, games. Seen that. Yeah. Uh, I think I've even seen somebody crochet at a football game. But you know, just to, with the weather delay and her just by herself in the stands uh, in a place where they're hope they're they've actually had better attendance than they've had years in Kansas football. Just that whole image is just really it's really quite amusing. Mm. Uh, we're talking to Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Well, let's go back to the uh, uh, to Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, Texas apparently is going to be. There's a chance they're going to be without both of their starting tackles. Now I'm assuming that you know that there's some depth behind them, but still, right tackle, left tackle, not going to be there for this game. Was Texas looking ahead last week over West Virginia because that game was certainly uh, you know in jeopardy late into the second half of that game? How do you see Oklahoma, Texas shaping up? Uh, well, first, I don't think Texas is looking ahead. You know, Morgantown is legitimately a tough place to play. I was there last year for the Baylor game, and they've got a really good atmosphere there. And I think Neil Brown has more talent there at West Virginia than I think people gave him credit for when he took the job over from Dana Holgerson. But as for these injuries, it's not just the right tackle and the left tackle. You know, Colin Johnson has not played in a few games, and he was only available in an emergency on Saturday. They've had some defensive issues, too. They've lost a couple of their secondary guys for the season to injuries. So they, they are banged up on both sides of the football. And while they certainly have the depth to withstand that, what they're missing is the experience of those players, especially those two tackles who have started at least a season in those positions and really understand what Tom Herman wants to do on offense. It, it's going to create some issues uh, for them on Saturday with Oklahoma because I think OU's defense is better. I've seen him in person. Uh, I think between uh, the improvement of Neville Gallimore up front and then uh, the obvious uh, tremendous play of Kenneth Murray. Uh, they're really in a position where I think those players, combined with the scheme changes that Alex Grinch has made, uh, they're going to they're going to give Texas some serious issues from a defensive standpoint on Saturday. And if those two tackles are not able to play, then you're putting inexperienced people at uh, one of the most crucial positions on the football field, left tackle, and that could mean a long day for Stan Mellinger. So Spencer Sanders has been really good at times. Spencer Spanders for Oklahoma State has been really bad at times, including Saturday yeah. against Texas Tech. Is it just freshmen are going to freshmen? That's what it is. We know the talent is there, but you got to go through the growing pains when you're playing a youngster. Yeah, I mean, I saw him in person against Texas a few weeks ago, and I was really impressed just with the overall talent. And sure, he made mistakes in that game. Uh, he made a couple of big ones late, and that's just an experience. And the if you've been following Oklahoma State on Twitter the last couple of days, uh, and one of our guys is Dave Bell, and he actually lives up in Stillwater, so we get a lot of Oklahoma State stuff coming through him. They're all losing their minds. Like, this guy should have played four games last year with red shirt. Hmm. Uh, this guy should have done this. This guy should have done that. And I'm like, look, if given the choice between sitting a guy for a year and playing him as a true freshman, I'm going to sit the guy for a year because those mental reps are important. And Mike Gundy said as much about Spencer Sanders at Big 12 Media Days. Yeah, his play's been inconsistent, but the thing is, I, I think his future is really bright, especially as you get closer to the end of this year, because they'll have a full understanding of Mike Gundy's scheme and its application as a player by the end of the season. 
and his ability to run the football uh, not just along his not just along with his ability to throw it but his ability to run it and make things happen with his legs is starkly different from players like Mason Rudolph and Brandon Wheat to the point where I think he can have a real impact on their offense toward the end of this season and maybe moving into next season going forward. Uh, Matt Postens uh, covers the Big 12 Heartland College Sports. Matt, I don't know if you were in Waco for the Iowa State game or not. I know you get to a lot of these games, but regardless, I'm sure you saw it if you weren't there. Um, so give, give me your thoughts on Baylor. Are they the third best team? I know they've got that win over Iowa State. They played nobody prior to that. Uh, give the kicker credit at the end as he makes his first field goal of his career. Uh, I certainly didn't come away thinking, boy, Baylor's is a whole lot better than Iowa State is. Where are you on Baylor um, as they, you know, they got a magical season, at least so far unfolding? I, I don't think they're, you know, worlds better than Baylor. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't think Baylor is worlds better than Iowa State. I think they're, I think Iowa State actually talent wise is probably a little bit better. Baylor just caught them on a good day and played them at home. Uh, but if you look at Matt Rule's history as a head coach, and it's limited because of his time at Temple, the third season that he's at a school, that team tends to make a significant jump. Uh, at Temple, their third year, they won 10 games and I think they played in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. So, they're on track right now to be a team that doesn't just get to a bowl game but can actually have an impact on the conference race. And I saw them against Stephen F. Austin in their opener. And the two things that that Matt Rule has really been harping on his defense for the last year has been turnovers and sacks. They're not there on turnovers yet. Their turnover differential is still not where he wants it to be. But as of last week, they were leading the Big 12 in quarterback sacks. And that was the number that he wanted the team to get to – better at defensively so at least from that standpoint they've been able to exert more pressure on the quarterback they've been able to sack the quarterback more often and that eventually i think will lead to more turnovers and if you can get to the quarterback in this conference and you can harass him enough they're going to make mistakes and that's going to get baylor in a lot more games than they were able to stay in last year full circle as we finish up matt poston's joining us heartland college sports we talked about it at the beginning, the Cotton Bowl, and what we're going to see in the great rivalry with Oklahoma and Texas. What do you expect to see on the football field? Dogs have been really good in this game historically. Yeah, you know, this is going to be an interesting game because the last three times that Oklahoma went into this game undefeated, Texas has beat them, including last mm-hmm. year. Um, right now, just based on what I've seen from Oklahoma and Texas over the past several weeks, I think Oklahoma's the favorite. I, I think Jalen Hurts is doing some amazing things. At the quarterback position, I think Lincoln Riley has recalibrated this offense in a way that really makes use of Jalen Hurts' strengths. And I think Hurts has also improved as a quarterback, as a passer, uh, going into this season. Uh, Oklahoma offensively just has too many weapons. And when you have such a great offense like Oklahoma, your defense only has to be good. And Oklahoma's defense has actually been better than good between the changes in the scheme with Alex Grinch and the improvement of players like Gallimore and Murray. I, I just... I have a hard time seeing Texas win this game. If this, if they were, if Texas was full strength, I might actually pick Texas. But because they have so many injuries on both sides of the football, uh, Sam Ellinger is probably going to have to strap that team to his back and take them to the uh, to a win if that's the way it goes. But I, I'm, I'm taking Oklahoma in this one. I think they're going to win, and I think that's going to give them a legit credential when it comes to the uh, college football playoff committee. I was watching the ESPN final the other night, and either. Uh, Joey Galloway nor Jesse Palmer had Oklahoma in their top six. I think if Tech, they go in and beat Texas at the top bowl, I think that changes. I think it should have changed prior to that, but I'm with you. Uh, Matt, great stuff. Thank you, as always. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead, okay? 
right, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Heartland College Sports, Matt Poston's Poston's Postcards uh, on Twitter. Uh, how, how did he not put Oklahoma in your top six? In your top six? That's what he just said. It's it's impossible unless you're trolling. That's the only way to do it. Is it the conference that you just don't respect the I, Big 12 as a conference? I guess that must be it for these national guys. What if they... Look, Oklahoma hasn't played Murderer's Row. No, they haven't. By any means. No. But the way they're... Houston, South Dakota, UCLA, Texas Tech, and Kansas, eh, that's fair. But it's the way they're doing it. It's not like it's, you know, 14-13. But we've seen this in the past from Oklahoma, some Oklahoma teams, and then come the big boys. What's the number? It's it's double digits, isn't it? It's 11, yeah. I jumped on Texas right away. You did? Oh, yeah. We've seen this Mm. too much in this game, haven't we? Well, he just said the last three times Oklahoma's been undefeated at this point. And it's been the other way when Texas has been the favorite and Oklahoma's coming and get them. Didn't didn't Mac Brown in his last year at Texas pick him off as a big dog? Yep. It's just, it's an automatic play. Red River Shootout comes around. Who's the dog? Grab him. Touch a little money line, and away you go. And, and then you can start work on the rest of the week. That's the easy part of the week, right? Hmm. You get that one out of the way. Uh, what are you doing tonight, Jeff? Are you going to watch? I mean, of course you're going to watch. You're going you're gonna to play Rays. I, I mean, how can you with Verlander unless you want to take short money? Right, minus 250. Bet a, bet a lot to make a little. You, you never do that. You've you told me for many years not to do that. I still might do that. <laughs> well, I tried to talk you out. I did talk you out of it. You did. I was on the 49ers until you opened your yapper. So, Mr. Monday Night is now what? Two and four? Two and four. He should be three and three. Well, your picks, you were, you were five and oh. Anyways, Murph and Andy come your way to the Fanatics. How about this? They're the working today. Work, but not tomorrow. So no, just of course today. not. No. Uh, but they'll be here at four. Then the Morning Rush will be here tomorrow at six. We'll join you at ten. Thanks for being here. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.